0: This is a podcast from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Sampson in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. My name's Stephen McEwen. I'm um, the youth pastor at City Gates Christian Centre in Ilford. And I got saved about 10 years ago. I became a Christian 10 years ago after growing up in an Ealing Pentecostal church and um, never really engaging with God. I I engaged a lot with uh, church and services and stuff and had a lot of fun, messed around a bit, you know what I mean? But I never really got hold of who Jesus Christ was until 10 years ago when I walked into City Gates and I became a Christian. And within a quick period of time, I knew straight away I needed to get involved in the things of God, otherwise I would be back to doing what I was doing before, running around and messing about. And so I decided to run around and mess about in the church instead. And, you know, I had found some amazing people there who really welcomed and encouraged me. And I think that's what I really catch with the heart of Delancey whenever I come, Delancey Elam, is I see all you folks here, you've got such a passion for young people. And I just want to encourage you in that because you cannot, that that is such an investment of time and money. And I know that you are going to produce fruit on this island that's going to go way, way, way beyond anything you could even imagine. And I always catch that whenever I come here. I see the way you encourage young people. And I don't see that often amongst many churches. And I just want to say thank you for that. But I continued uh, along and then... um, about four years into being a Christian I was invited on when the youth pastor left and I took on there and I t- became a youth pastor and I've been doing that ever since the last six seven years full-time and last year I got ordained with the Elim Pentecostal movement as well so yeah just a great bunch of young people that we're bringing over here and we love coming to this island we love the people here and we do feel a real connection that God has ordained and we want to continue to invest into this island in any way we can with just you know the simple things that we do so I uh, hope you're gonna be blessed by the word this morning, how about we just pray before we come to God's word. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to just share with your people. And Lord, as we open up your word this morning, I just pray that our hearts would be warmed and you would bring revelation. You bring understanding, Lord, that you would speak into situations that that no human being can see right now looking across this room. But you know every individual in this place, you know, hearts, desires, you know, the plans and purposes for their life. And I just pray that as we study your word this morning, that, Holy Spirit, you would just manifest yourself in his place and illuminate the scriptures to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps you're telling me to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to be firing off a lot of scriptures this morning, and I've, I've given some scriptures to the back there. We might be able to put some on the screen as well. And a familiar story, a familiar, familiar passage of scripture that I'm sure you all you've You've read many times, but I really want to come from a different um, angle this morning. And we're starting in verse 20. This is, of course, the prodigal son. And if you, I don't want to ever presume sometimes people aren't aware of this story, but this is a, a, a story that Jesus told, a parable that really illustrates the father heart of God. And it tells the story of a young man who goes off to a foreign land after taking all of his father's inheritance. Probably not more, there's not many more offensive things that you could do in that culture than take your, your father's inheritance that was set aside for you and go and squander it in a foreign land. But that's what he did. And the scriptures say that after much partying and um, coming really to the end of himself, he, he came to his senses and he returned to the Father. And he was surprised by the welcome that he received as the father uh, did the complete opposite of what he expected, but actually runs to meet him. And we, this is where we pick it up here in, in verse 20. It says, so he got up, this is the father, and this is the son, got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, th- threw his arms around him and kissed him. He was lost and is found. The, the Bible answers so many questions, but perhaps one of the most important questions it answers is, what is God like? Many people want to know, what is this God that, who created all this, this amazing things that we see around us, this creation around us, what is he like? And throughout the Old Testament, God reveals himself to Israel as a father. Isaiah 63 verse 16 says, You, O Lord, our, our Father, our Redeemer from everlasting is your name. And the fatherhood of God is revealed from beginning to end in Scripture. But what we see in the Old Testament, we only see the word Father in relation to God 15 times. But in the New Testament, with just 27 books, we see the, 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 this name Father used of God 245 times. I think God's trying to tell us something. And when Jesus comes on this scene in the Gospels, he prays our Father in heaven and tells powerful stories like the one we've just read that illustrate a Father that's full of compassion, mercy, and grace. And in the Gospels, we, we, he lives out a, a relationship. Jesus lives out a relationship for all of us. He models his relationship with the Father, constantly drawing on affirmation from the Father, and, you know, I say father, we, I say father with two V's, by the way, because I'm from East London, if that's all right. Okay, the TH, we don't bother with that bit. But Jesus, we see that in the Gospels, he's constantly calling upon his name and he's relating to him in such a way because his identity is so so closely linked to this relationship. And in the remaining books of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is sent to indwell our hearts and he, and he's through through the Spirit of God. We're calling out, Daddy, Abba, Father, and we're given this this Spirit of adoption, who cries out to God. And no matter how long in the tooth you get, no matter how far you get in the things of God, we always have to return to this principle that we are children, and He is the Father especially when times get hard. This is not an old message or something that is not applicable to our lives today. I find this, re- this message more and more relevant in the work that I do. Because the message of the Father, heart of God, it is central to the Bible, but I believe it's a, a, an important bridge for this generation as well. The Daily Mail in uh, January t- uh, 2011 this year, it said that one in five children from a broken home loses touch with a parent within three years and never sees them again. And we know that in the vast majority of those cases it will be a father. Certainly the kind of work that I do in London, I see that repeatedly. There was a Panorama documentary earlier on this year as well featuring a dad who had eight kids by eight different mums. And he struggled to even name one of his children. And this is just so, so common across our society. It's a deep need that's yearning in the lives of not just young people, but many, many people. The young people that I work with, I see young girls that are searching for affirmation and love and and trying to express that in all the wrong kind of ways and and finding it met in in the arms of of guys who have no love for them at all. I see young men who are are searching for respect and honour, the kind of affirmation that comes from a father in gangs that kind of uh, love that, that, that's left in their hearts, that void, they're searching for it with other guys in a gang. And I see that constantly in the kind of work that I do in London. The message of the father's love, it bridges the gap for a whole generation. And I know many of you here would have had incredible examples of an earthly father who really loved you and gave you a great example and cared for you and provided for you. But whether you have a father who is absent or failed in his duties, we need to know that we have a father in heaven who is wanting to reveal himself to us in this very special way this morning. If you sit down here today and say, this is not, not for me, that, you know, it's just for those prodigals out there, well, we, re- we miss a major point that Jesus is making, if we've, as we've read in the second part of this story. It's easy to look at these two brothers and think, well, they're poles apart. They've got nothing in common. But the reality is they were both as needy as each other for the Father's love. And in their own ways, they both had drifted from the Father heart of God. The older brother was so close, yet he was so far from the reality of who God was. And growing up in church, I was speaking with someone this morning, you know, growing up in church is not always easy. Sometimes it's a a hard place to find Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Because you're so accustomed and so used to it that in a way some of these things that we say that god loves you it washes over you like well i've heard that i've heard that message before but this is just so important to who we are and what we've got to do on this earth the knowledge of god is there but you know sometimes in these relationships that, that revelation is of the father's love is yet to come In the kind of work I do in London, I see that there's there's often two types of ministry that I do. It's it's to those guys that have come in who are unchurched. Many of the guys we brought here come from an unchurched background. But there's those folks that are within church as well. And we're trying to get them to encounter God's love and and a revelation of who Jesus is, even in, in the things of church. The big brother perhaps questioned the father out of a wrong spirit. And it was... It was better that you know, he, but he was. It was better that he had the freedom to ask the, those sort of questions and really speak to the Father and engage with Him. And that's what we do in our youth ministry. We try and get them to engage with the stuff and get them to ask questions. There are no out of bounds questions when it comes to God. I was recently speaking to a pastor's wife who was sharing how devastated she was when her daughter, who was in church, got pregnant in her teens, and she said she couldn't bring herself to go to church for for weeks. She tried to avoid church, but then the letters started coming through the doors. Letters of grace and encouragement and support. No condemnation, but just uh, encouragement. And the teenage girl uh, didn't leave church. She's still there and she's still working things out. But people just poured that affirmation despite she was working through all, those, all of those things. You know, if you're here this morning and all you've known is the Father's house, your, your revelation of God does not need to take place in a pigsty. It doesn't need to take place away from this place. It can happen right here. Because he's here and he wants to just show you how, how real his love is. And I believe there are many who start out as prodigals, but over time they, they drift into a, a big brother mentality. And I'll put my hand up and confess to that one before you this morning. That it, you start with all that fire and all that passion, but it doesn't take long for you to drift into this big brother mentality. And often it's because I'm not anchored in, in this father heart of God. Those, those big brother symptoms begin to surface in my life. The, the anger, the resentment, and the bitterness, whatever it might be, the little things in church that get on your nerves. No, that doesn't happen here, just in my church. The little things that get, happen in church that get on your nerves. The people in church that get on your nerves. It happens in my church, not here, I know. But it happens. And the big brother synd- syndrome, it clicks into place. It says in verse 25 of uh, chapter 15, Meanwhile, that the older brother was in the field when he came near the house. He heard the music and dancing, and, 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 he, and he distanced himself. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And there's a party going on, but he does not want to know because he's lost the joy. He's lost the joy. He's lost that excitement and that passion that comes from just the simple things that are in the kingdom of God. And if you feel, feel like you're standing on the outside this morning, you know, just pray that, the prayer, that prayer of David that he prays in Psalm 51. Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Take me back to what it was when I first met you and I first knew you. And rehearse it and ask him to restore that again. You know, You know those days when you would turn up for work on a Monday morning with a smile on your face and you wouldn't know why. But you just knew it was something to do with Jesus. And if there's one thing, you know, that I always struggled with as, as a non-Christian, it was joyous Christians. I really couldn't handle that very well. But there's something so wonderful in people that have that joy. I'm not talking about happiness, which goes up and down and is, is ruled by the circumstances of this world, but just joy. Do you know what I mean? It, go, it goes through all of that stuff that we go through, and it stays intact. And it flows out of that revelation and the grace of God. And that older brother, he needed that revelation so badly, We read he was working hard in the field. The brother's relationship with the father was based on works and not grace. He says, I've been slaving for you all these years. In other words, look at all I've done. I don't deserve this. And when you're doing the work of God, you can slip into that mentality of, I'm doing this for you, Lord. Do you know what I mean? You're doing this stuff for God, and you were looking for a pat on the back. You're looking for an affirmation from somebody. But we know it ultimately comes from our Father in heaven, who looks down and says, well done, my my good and faithful servant. And we can't earn God's grace. It's a gift to us. The truth is, we don't deserve anything from God. We're all undeserving, as that prodigal is, walking through the door for the first time. And let's be honest, if we're given what we deserve in this life, we would all be in trouble, wouldn't we? If we're really honest. We should be able to identify with the prodigals that walk through our door with that, you know, just encountering that amazing grace for the first time. When you know you're a sinner saved by grace, that's where the party first started and that's where the party remains, right? When you're just washing his blood and you're like, wow, I made it. And it's purely down to his grace. The truth is, we did not become a Christians because we, we were thinking we were better than others, but it's because we realized we failed and we messed up, right? It's out of that kind of heart that, that we can really minister to people. And when you're serving in the Father's house and you've lost his heart for people, you know you're really heading for disaster. I think that's what happened to the big brother. He'd lost that that passion for the person walking through the door. You become insecure like the older brother, clinging to ministries and positions and... And I'm I'm preaching to myself this morning because I go through this as well. Can you imagine what would have happened if that prodigal, the first person that prodigal met was the big brother? Can you imagine what the reaction would have been? It wouldn't have been great, would it? It would have been a disaster, right? And we've got to be people that we expose, because we're close to the father, we expose the father's love to anyone who comes into the place for the first time. We don't show them the big brother stuff, do you know what I mean? They see the father's stuff. You know, just that throwing your arms around them and loving them. And if we really want to minister in power, we know it comes from that kind of love. This this older brother, he was laboring in vain because he had no love in his heart anymore. And when talking to his father, the older brother refers to the prodigal as this son of yours. He won't even recognize him as his brother. He reminds me of uh, Cain and Abel, you know, am I my brother's keeper? And in God's house, we've got to take that responsibility. We are family regardless. It's not just um, the the usher's job. It's not just the pastor's job to see new believers move from strength to strength. It's all of us, right? That's what we do. We all take responsibility within the house, welcoming and bringing people in. We all have these, uh, uh, you know, these, I know even in this place, there's ministries where people have taken responsibility for the harvest in different parts of this church. And that's what it's all about. Every house has values, and the big brother had got so caught up he'd missed the true value and purpose of the house. And when we lose connection with the Father in anything that we do, it, 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 the intentions and the motives and the thoughts and everything we do becomes blurred. Life uh, starts to lose focus because we start to uh, really doubt that the Father, the heart, the character of God. The truth is the prodigal displays, he displays more confidence in the goodness of the father and the character, uh, you know, he, he, he seems to trust that a lot more in his returning. The older brother seems to have lost sight of who the father is and what he's really about. And perhaps we're here and we start to compare or we have started to get uh, green eyes or, or, or whatever, you know, the envy creeps in, but we've got to really dig in with the father you know if you're going through something at the moment and you're struggling to believe that God will come forth forth and do what he says he's going to do it's about digging into that father's heart and rehearsing it and knowing it and just believing it he loves me he's got a great plan for me he's not like any earthly father I've ever met before He's all over me. You know, Sid, when you go in hospital next week, I pray that you just be overwhelmed with the sense that the Father is carrying you right through that situation, whatever it might be. You know, the Father is just lifting you and carrying you. Because it's that 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 lifts us in this life. I was saying to the young people last night when, you know, they're, we were talking about how they've got to submit their life. And, you know, we were dealing with a lot of things and choices that they've got to make. And sometimes uh, the way their behavior. And sometimes if you just address behavior all the time, nothing changes. But when you start to speak about a father that loves you, that's where behavior, it flows from. That's where identity it flows and behavior begins to take place in their life. When they understand who God is and what he's done for them. That's when they're willing to listen to you when you say, listen, come on now. Does that really line up with what God's got for your life? And I found that sometimes I want to address rules and stuff, but ultimately, you know what? It's showing them who God is that brings that next level of revelation. That, that, that father, you know, your father in heaven, whatever you're going through right now, he has a day of celebration for you set aside. He has a day of breakthrough set aside for you. Don't worry, maybe you're seeing others coming in and great stuff's happening in their life. Don't compare. His love for you is as un- unique for the older brother and it's as unique for you as it is for the prodigal as well. Don't panic and start looking at other people. Say, well, look what's happening in their life. Why is it not happening in mine? Because that love is the same. It's amazing. I was at the Hillsong Conference the other week, and thousands of people just worshipping, loving God. And I just stopped for a moment and just thought, this is incredible. This God knows every single one of them personally and intimately in the same way an earthly father does. It's amazing. It's amazing. The truth of the matter is, you know, the older brother had no need to be jealous. This is what the father says in verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So he's complaining about all this stuff and, and God's saying, everything I have is yours. You're in the house, you've got it all. You know, so often it's not, the, it's not our father in heaven who's limiting the kingdom of God or holding stuff back from us. It's us. It's from a limited view of a generous God. Do you understand? It's not us. It's not him at all who's greedy or holding stuff back and punishing us or making life difficult. He's saying, I've given you the house, you've got it all. So maybe we need some cheeky kids, you know, some cheeky kids who come to the dad and they ask for stuff they shouldn't be really getting. Do you know what I mean? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You know, have you got, I used to say to my dad, have you got any change? That meant like a tenner, a 20, notes. I said change, but I meant notes. And maybe we need some cheeky children, some children who actually dare to believe they have a father in heaven who is so, so generous. I remember going away on my honeymoon and um, I, got, I, mean, I didn't grow up with a lot of money and stuff, but we, we booked a, a, our hotel. Uh, well, I booked it and I, I went on the Internet and did it. I didn't give pay it much thought and attention. And the, the night of our honeymoon, we were driving through uh, Essex to get to this uh, hotel. I wasn't expecting much, to be honest. And we got there and there was huge gates. And as we went through, it was looking more and more expensive. Like, I can't afford it kind of expensive. Do you know what I mean? So we're driving through, and everything's looking really pristine. The guy come out to take our bags, and I'm like, don't worry about it, because I'm thinking he's going to charge us a little bit extra. So, you know, Anushka was like, well, you know, uh, is this all right? Can we afford this? And I thought, well, you know, you know I've got to put on something. And I said, well, you know, you're rolling with me now. You know, you're married to me now. This is how it's going to be, babe stuff you know expensive stuff that's how we're gonna do it but of course I was sweating and my heart was pounding so we're walking around the hotel and I'm saying just don't sit there don't touch that I'm cleaning the bathroom you know I'm in there I'm thinking we cannot afford this we might have to check out tomorrow and the night time came and we walked through the restaurant and you know we're walking through the restaurant it's one of those restaurants with the classical music all right, you know, you, you know, it's something special if it's not like, you know, the radio playing or something, but they've got classical music on and it's all beautiful. There's candle, look, and, and I'm just looking at me. I'm in my tracksuit and stuff. People were looking at me like, am I going to collect the bags or something, you know? And I just grabbed a hand and said, I think we need to go. So we walked out and we went to Pizza Hut that night. We went to Pizza Hut and then the next day, you know, after, you know, a good night's stay, but we came out and I went down and checked the bill and it turned out I had paid for it already on the internet. Everything that was there, the beautiful candlelit dinner, the swimming pool, all the stuff in the hotel, I had every right to it. It was mine. I'd paid for it already. But I was walking around with a pauper mentality saying, no, 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 not me, not me, not me, for somebody else. you know. And, and we didn't get the best that night. I would hate for any of us to walk through the, our, our life with God, with the Father, in any way limit him and what he wants to do in our lives. Because we think, no, 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 not me. No, no, not for me. That's for others. That's for the really spiritual guys in church who, who pray in tongues really loud or look really cool and do the worship or who seem really relevant or not, not me, Lord. No, no, I, I, I'm saying I think God is actually saying, listen, I don't think you really know me. I think you really want to dig in with my father heart and begin to really experience all I've got, my riches and everything, and begin to ask me for big things and begin to believe me for big things and begin to really seek me on another level and dig in with this, the truths that we find here. You are a princess, a princess or a, a prince in this place, whoever you are, because you're connected to, the, to the, the most powerful family on earth. It's like being part of the mafia. You know, people who walk into them, you know, part of these things, they, they, they know who they are. They walk with a little confidence in their step because they know what they're a part of. They're part of the most powerful family and we are part of the most powerful family on earth. He says, the Father says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Romans eight seventeen says, now if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You know, every year millions of pounds of inheritance are not claimed in this country. And I believe that some of us here, we have stuff that we can believe to begin to believe God for. We have to know our position in Christ, that we are forgiven, that we are right, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not according to how we feel. It's our legal position. This is who we are. We are secure. We can't be thrown out of this kingdom or dragged out because we haven't paid the bills. We are safe and sound. That's what the Father says. He says, now you're safe and sound. That's what it's like in the Father's house. What made Jesus so secure was that he never doubted his Father's love. Everyone else doubted who he was, but he knew who he was. And he took times of prayer and times alone with God, times in the in the Word of God to, to, to rehearse that and know he was secure, fully comfortable in his identity. Galatians 4.3 says, it says this, it says, so also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. And we've we have to renew our minds sometimes of a slave mentality and know we have sonship. We get familiar and familiarity it breeds contempt, but those words, God loves me, are so powerful. The prodigal, you know, he was given gifts, wasn't he? He was given a ring that representing the father's authority, a robe representing the, the, the covering that God had over his life. The sandals indicating a new sense of direction and purpose in his life. And each of us, we receive so much in, our, in the kingdom of God. And this older brother, he forgot all that stuff and he just focused on the party. And he probably had all that as well. He had all those things. The father of the prodigal, you know, he paid an expensive price. He, he lost half of his inheritance to this son. And he, 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 he pours out his love and his acceptance on this child. You know, if we could just... Uh, constantly rehearse and and enter into what the Father has done in giving his son, his most precious gift. If you ever doubt your self-worth or your value, you've got to know that you're wearing a price tag that says the blood of Jesus. The most precious blood, the most precious uh, thing on this earth is the blood of Jesus. And that's what you were bought and paid for with. That's your value. That's where your, your sense of worth comes from. That's what God wants to reveal to us through the cross, in him giving his only son for each of us. I, I draw confidence from that in all that I do. I, sometimes I've got to go and preach or speak in front of people. I just get, that's where my confirmation comes from. That's where my worth comes from. It's the father who gives his son and values our lives so much. I want to show you a clip now that um, I saw. You Maybe you've seen it before. It's from a film called Most, and it really... In the same way Jesus tells a parable to to emphasise the the Father's love. This is a modern day parable, if you like, that paints a picture of what the Father did when he he gave his son. I love Easter time because I I explore the cross again and what it meant for the Father to give his only son for this world. As you watch it, I, I don't want to take... and take away from the metaphor too much and the power of that, but this is a guy who's working on a railway track, and he's got an important responsibility over a lot of people, and he's working with his son, and he's left in a situation, a really tough situation, to make a really difficult choice about his own son and the people that he's got to look after. Let's have a look. First John 3, 1 says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called Children of God, you know one thing we cannot allow to escape us, and we can't be like those folks on the train just travelling on, oblivious to the pain of the Father and how much it cost Him to lavish His love upon us. That not a hundred people and His Son, but billions of people and His only Son. That's the choice that He made for every single one of us. When I explore that, when I enter into that, I feel loved. I feel accepted. You know, the situations that I've got to face in this life, the tough choices, the tough decisions, the sense of not knowing where I'm going, I rehearse that love again that's accepting me, that a father would wants to protect me and watch over me and has got the best in store for me. What an amazing love. What an amazing father, right? What an awesome dad that would give his only son for me. I'm not going to sit oblivious on the train. I'm going to recognize and acknowledge and live a life that's in fitting with a Father that pours out love upon me. How about we just pray? And as we do that, I'm going to ask Felicia. She's going to come and sing a song for us as we close this afternoon. And I just pray for anyone in here today. Maybe you're facing times of uncertainty, whatever it might be. It might be your health It might be physically, it may be in your job, it may be in the day tomorrow. You might have so much uncertainty in your family. Whatever you're going through right now, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would just manifest the Father's love within you. And that Spirit that cries out, Abba Father, will just rise up within you as you know that He loves you. Lord God, I pray for every person in this place this morning. However near or far they may be. Lord, that they would see a father who gives his very, very best. He doesn't withhold anything from us. Lord, if we're here with any kind of slave mentality, Lord, that we would move beyond that to a place of sonship. Lord, if we're here and we're like the big brother and we've become detached from the father heart of God, Lord, God, draw us closer again. Lord, let us know that you are accepting and that we have the freedom of your house before us. Lord, teach us again to value the things that you've given us already and to be thankful for all that you've placed in our life. Lord, as we focus on that and as we praise you, Lord, I believe our hearts will be lifted into a place of security and strength and boldness and confidence and assurance. Pour our affirmation in this place this morning, Father. We're never tired or bored of this message of love. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Delancey Elim Church. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.